0: this week living with an xjr15 with andrew maynard hello wayne scott with you hope you're still enjoying the summer here in 2023 a summer packed with jaguar activities and we're fresh from simply jaguar at which was an absolutely phenomenal event a massive turnout in the sunshine at the national motor museum down there in hampshire in the depths of the new forest over 1250 jaguars turning out from all sorts of different eras from all sorts of different shapes and sizes and it was great to see so many anniversary cars in the main arena the xjs Cabriolets celebrating their anniversary the x350s of course uh, the s types from 1963 onwards the XJ Coupes from 1973. And, of course, 10 years of the Jaguar F-Type as well. 75 years of the XK120. Probably my favourite part of the day was telling the XK120 story with the very first of the all-steel-bodied cars there in front of me. And we had the owners to talk to as well. That was a real privilege and a treat. And the Montlary XK120, of course, driven by Jack Fairman, Sterling Moss... Bert hadley and leslie johnson and it broke so many records it was the world and class c 72 hour record at 105.55 miles per hour it was the world and class c four day record at an average speed of 101.17 miles per hour and so many more besides of course as well and those initial records all driven by leslie johnson with a broken spring as well an amazing car to celebrate 75 years since the xk 120 was launched at the 1948 motor show also wonderful to see the broadspeed xj coupe and to tell its story as part of the jaguar daimler heritage trust's display of vehicles you can read all about it in jaguar enthusiast magazine the august issue of course we've already shared the gallery of images on friday spotlight our email newsletter that goes out every friday from the jaguar enthusiast club and talking of the magazine i very very recently covered the story of the xjr15 in fact the very first one r9r the very start of that project at twr but while we were doing the photo shoot i pulled the owner andrew maynard to one quiet corner of the warehouse in which we were shooting the car and had a quiet chat with him about what it's like to own an xjr15 and what it's like to live with on a day-to-day basis that interview is next (laughs) You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts Podcast. To find out what events you can get along to or to discover local club meets in your region, visit jec.org.uk. Well, here in the workshop of Swallows Jaguar, down in the southwest of England. I am in front of an XJR15, not any old XJR15, if any of them could ever be called that, but the very first one, the prototype R9R, as denoted by the badge on its beautifully sculptured front uh, nose cone there. And I'm with the owner, Andrew Maynard. Um, Andrew, first question I guess is, do you remember the
1: day that you first clapped eyes on the XJR15? Absolutely, uh, I was with my wife and uh, we were over in a little garage in Belgium uh, where the car was um, for sale and uh, I walked into the showroom and we were surrounded um, by the most beautiful selection of old race cars and uh, rally cars, um, a mixture of everything from Bristol's to Porsches, uh, Ferraris and the XJR15 was in the right in the corner of the showroom and um, I just looked at this car and I thought, wow, she's absolutely beautiful. It looked like the pictures, you know, better than the pictures I saw on the internet. And um, I, I thought, fantastic. And uh, my wife wasn't so over impressed with it. She, she did take a book to read because uh, <laughs> she, 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 she came along to keep me happy, I think, just uh, so she, we'd have a bit of a weekend in Belgium. And uh, the, the guys um, had the, uh, the rear clamshell open and the bonnet open, and we're having a. It was not generally on display. And, um, yeah, it was it was just there, this piece of art in the corner of the workshop. A little, little bit of dust on it and bits and pieces, but absolutely stunning, yeah.
0: Was there a car that you followed when it was new as well, in the very early
1: 90s there? Were you aware of it when they were new? No, absolutely not. I, ca- I came across the car um, when I was... Nothing on the telly one night. I was actually on the internet, just surfing the internet and in classic cars. And I came across it just by chance um, in this showroom. And... Um, I, I said to joanne i said gosh i've just seen this beautiful car and uh you know i've never seen one before and uh again she was oh right that was nice <laughs> and <laughs> i'm <laughs> and, sensing uh, the enthusiasm yeah, here <laughs> and uh, i think it's very one-sided the enthusiasm <laughs> at the time and uh it, it was um i said you know what do you think i said you know if we get the chance i think if this car is for sale i really ought to buy it and um he said, all oh, right, and uh, so uh, kind of conversation there. I dropped the guy, there was an email address, so I dropped the guy an email at this uh, little dealership and um, said, is the car for sale or is this an old advert? And uh, he said, no, it's for sale, it's in the showroom, and would you like to see it? And I said, well, fantastic, we'll make arrangements, we'll come over and see you. Um, so I said to George, you fancy going over for a weekend in Belgium? And uh, she said, "Oh, that be nice? Yeah." Not, nothing really to do with cars at the time and so we booked a flight and I phoned them back and said look we'll be over in a couple of days and we arranged to be picked up at the airport and they took us back to the showroom and that's uh, yes, when we um, that's the first time I'd ever seen the car with this this picture on the internet and I was just sort of fell in love with it straight away, it was just so special you know. And obviously XJR 15 but R9R,
0: did, were you aware of that story at the time?
1: Not at all no, the, the car we bought um, was had a, a had a different chassis number, it, was, um, uh, it wasn't until we were doing the restoration on the car that we, we started to notice that things were totally different with this car to the the production models or other models I should say. Um, and then there were some really subtle differences and uh, mainly on the interior of the cockpit, uh, how the uh, the cockpit was um, molded and joined together and fabricated. And uh, so that started to um, un- unravel and, um, and the story started there, really. Hmm. And then when we were going through the um, the restoration process, and the we had it recoated, um, repainted because um, the, the colour was a bit insipid and it was not the not the right colour. So we chose a what I thought was a complementary colour for that, and, and which turned out to be absolutely spot on. Um, but going through the actual roof panel, we actually went through the uh, different uh, coatings that were on there, levels, of, uh, layers of paint. And found the original silk-cut purple roof, which oh, wow. was on the the uh, the mould when they were doing it, when they first made the car. They painted the um, uh, roof section in a silk-cut purple, and I think from um, what I've been understand, uh, Tom Walkershaw sure didn't like the colour, so um, he just said no, and uh, so they. Um, repainted it in blue but we found the original silk colour and I got a photograph at home of the build showing the silk cut colour wow. on there so it all started to piece together then the story and uh, sure. un- and unravel yeah, and amazing. it's
0: I mean the R9R bit for those listening means that this was number one of the XJR15s and this was kind of the development car as well it was the car that you'll see in all of the promotional photographs around the car's launch and of course at this point it was the XJR9 the Le Mans car that had won in 1988 but the R the road version of it and eventually that of course when that partnership came together with Jaguar to release it as the XJR15 it then changed its name for production and it was a bit of a shaky start to production on it of course because uh, the information that this car was being developed was leaked it also arrived just as the XJ220 was taking orders from Jaguar as well and you have to ask yourself once this had been announced and you'd seen some of the lines on it and how beautiful it looks there must have been some people thinking
1: that maybe they ought to have bought this instead of an XJ220 I would have thought at the time I, I, was, I would think so, this is kind of, they always, uh, it's always been said that this is what the XJ220 should have been mm. with the, the V12, you know, naturally aspirated engine, um, uh, semi goal wing doors, you know, on there as well. And it's, it's a slightly more delicate shape, I think, than the 220 and it's very sporty. Um, and, and Tom Walkinshaw really wanted uh, the, the remit for it, I think, was let's build a race car for the road a Le Mans car for the road, and it was never really built as a road car, but it was um, literally that race car for the road, which it turned out to be and of course a race car for the tracks of europe as well in the intercontinental
0: challenge that then followed throughout uh, 92 and 93 where all those legendary motorsport names took to the wheel of these cars looking for a cash prize and of course racing at some of the um, best support races for the formula one calendar including amazingly the street circuit at monte carlo it must have been a real
1: handful to have driven that round that circuit it would have been exciting, <laughs> absolutely, I would say. She's she's quite exciting to drive in any case, because she's very, very raw, and um, you've got to keep your wits about you uh, and, yeah, treat her with a bit of respect, really, or you can go horribly wrong. But, you know, just taking it around, even like circuits like we've been around Castlecombe, um, Silverstone, um, superb handling, really. is within, you know, you've got to be pretty abusive to, uh, to lose it. Um, but yeah very exciting to drive you know we've taken around uh, Donington Park mm-hmm. and yeah, awesome fantastic.
0: Talk us through that first day when you finally got behind the wheel and drove it for the very first time as your car What, what was the emotions and the thoughts running through your mind at that time
1: well I, I still get it now because every time i, I, I it, when I manage to get in the car because it's, it's <laughs> a bit of a work of art you think you know, appointment to the chiropractor coming up <laughs> but w- once you're in there um, you go through a you, you kind of you're staring at carbon fiber for a start and you're looking at it thinking this is beautiful and uh you're getting in your mind right starting process you jiggle the wheel a bit and you rattle the gear stick which is on your right hand side left and right a few times just to check then you go through a, a sequence of starting um which is i'd imagine like starting an aircraft you know it's yeah. very you know flick switch and uh you know <laughs> wait a few seconds yeah, that, and you, yeah 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 and the um when the fuel pumps come in you're waiting you can hear fuel circulating round and you, know, cir- you know, purging um and you always get the hairs on your arm stand up a little bit as well because you think wow okay i hope this goes well because <laughs> you can always smell a bit of fuel in there as well which are <laughs> the things so. and of course the engine sat right behind yeah. your head as well literally yeah an inch or so behind your head through very thin carbon fiber yeah, I mean, and um but when she when she starts up it's just a crescendo of noise and it's uh, you can hear every cog every gear turning in the gable everything's fantastic and um, it's very loud you bring it up to about um, 2,000 um, revs and hold her there till she warms up at 80 degrees and everything everything is very musical in the car and it all settles down and becomes very smooth Mm. which is lovely yeah so you, you could really if you're bored in even just go and sit in the car and start it and sit in the car for half an hour in. <laughs> so. and
0: so it, it does have a few foibles, doesn't it i mean for example you're sat on the uk side of the car the right hand drive side of the car but the gear stick falls to your right
1: hand as well that takes a bit of getting used to it it, it does it's, uh, it's on the right hand side but it's it's once you've used it it's a very natural sort of position to be in mm. uh, the throw on the gear stick is um the gear change is very, very slight, very little movement needed between the gears. A little bit notchy, um, I don't know if it's this particular one or in general. Um, but the steering wheel is slightly offset as well, towards the centre. So um, you kind of sat at an angle, um, which proved quite exciting at Donington Park. So I've got pictures of me driving down the pit lane. Um, literally inches away from the uh, the wall not realizing because I was actually a foot closer to the wall than I thought yeah, it was because you've got this very wide sort of um, uh, cell you've got to uh, negotiate when you get into the car which throws you off center a little bit so uh, and when you're coming through the gaps and you, you're not quite sure how much mm-hmm. clearance you got there so mm-hmm. uh, that comes with a bit of use I think a bit of experience
0: Amazing. And th- just to demonstrate how unique this car is to own and some of the things you have to learn about it as you get to know it talk us through the sequence of how you open the bonnet because that's a task in itself isn't it
1: yeah well uh, it, the, the bonnet side you, you basically um, it's it's on to um, gas rams in there you open both doors there's buttons you catch as you pull out to release the bonnet um, then close the doors and then uh, ideally two people, one either side, you can actually tilt the bonnet up um, and it's your lock in, lock in place. Um, that will expose the uh, the um, uh, cooling radiators, uh, sorry, cooling fans for the uh, the radiator in there. There's a high-flow radiator in there to improve the cooling. That was a slight modification we did just to make it a little bit more um, reliable and usable. And, uh, yeah, that exposes um, access to... Uh, The the horns, uh, you know, horns there, um, uh, hatches for the fire extinguisher system, which is fitted, and um, for the brake master cylinder, and some of the suspension parts as well, which go across the uh, polyrock.
0: And the rear engine cover is even a bigger piece of, well, sculptural art, but of course it lifts off with two pins either side and some electrical servo assistance, doesn't
1: yeah, it? this, again, uh, a modification on, I think it was done, I think there the guys in Belgium, uh, on two, two or three cars, this one especially. Um, generally, the rear clamshell is bolted down all the way around the car, so I think it took around about two hours to remove the clamshell once you remove the wheels, the liners, and then got to all the, the bolts which hold it down. Um, and then you've got the electrical connections as well. You've got to disconnect. So the modification was done as it was um, hinged at the back and uh, a servo, electric servo motor was fitted um, and some uh, locking pins which go through the bodywork, um, which are quite nice, actually. They're aerospace-type fittings on there and mil-spec fittings. And, uh, yeah, it just makes... Things semi-accessible mm. there's still not a lot of room to squeeze in there and do yes. things but uh, you know you can um, you can see what's going on and uh, if there's any leakages or you know it's nice to see you know mm. see you running
0: and you have to be constantly on top of the maintenance with a car like this don't you it's a constant living breathing thing that yes. occasionally throws
1: a wobbly yeah absolutely it's um it's a race car and uh, race cars are not 100% totally reliable or something you're kind of wondering, right, okay, what's going to happen? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they like to be used, and the more you use it, she becomes uh, a lot smoother. The brakes don't bind quite so much, and, you know, um, so just little things, yeah, use. And started regularly. She's, a, a, a say, a natu- naturally aspirated V12 engine, dry-sumped. So um, you've got to ideally run it weekly up to temperature um, to get any moisture out of the oils, and just, you know, sh- she's a lot happier doing it that way. Um, and you're not putting um, a lot of sort of uh, stress onto the starter just trying to spin it up to get oil pressure before you start it. So you've got to prime it um, before you wouldn't just jump in it after a period of time and start the engine because you'd ruin it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So tolerances yeah. are so small in those engines, aren't you they? they as well. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well. What are the plans for the future with the car then? I know it's a very regular vehicle to be seen at track sport, of course, with the Jag Enthusiast Club. But we saw it out at Castle Coombe earlier in the year. And, of course, we had Richard West, who was the marketing director of TWR, reunited with the car, with Tom Robinson at the wheel. That was a special moment, wasn't it? He was quite emotional after that.
1: Absolutely. No, it was an absolute... I, I, I did say to Richard, I don't know who had more, more pleasure out of doing it. I, I, I certainly did. It was fantastic to see, you know. And it's, it's nice, you know, Tom enjoyed driving it as well. And uh, it was also great to have the Le Mans car there. So we were, you know, following that round track, and uh, yeah, it was like, um, yeah, a very special day. Yeah, you know, it was. very good. It was. And not currently road registered, or are there plans to do that? Yeah, it's going through registration at the moment. Um, it's been a bit of a long-winded process um, because she's not necessarily the car we thought it was um, when we got her. So, um, but yeah, that's all coming coming to its sort of fruition now. Um, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to yeah get it on the road. It's it's not a car you drive every day because um it's not really suited to um traffic. You want nice open roads cause these cars like to uh, be stationary or going somewhat. So uh and they don't really like going under sort of thirty or forty miles an hour, which might take some explaining to a an officer of the law if you were <laughs> yes. going through the town at that speed. So, but it's Well, you've just
0: experienced the difficulties
1: of driving it slowly, haven't you? Because it's here today and it's, it's got a fried clutch, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's got issues with the clutch. We were up at uh, Bista Heritage, up at the flywheel event, um, which was fantastic, taking it up there to do a few um, circuits around so people can actually see the car because yeah. uh, not many of these cars um, appear in public on a daily basis and certainly not used on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah... It was a great event. People, you know, could come and see it and ask questions, and you know, it was, it was a thrill to see people enjoying seeing it as a visual. But we did have a bit of an issue taking it from where we were parked and display up through um, multitudes of people in dogs and pushchairs, and <laughs> um, but it, we couldn't go very fast because you're riding the clutch a little bit up at the time, and uh, it didn't. We got up there, and I think we have a little bit of an issue with the slave cylinder. That's all, hopefully. So um, we'll look at that. Um, I say it's up here; at swallows. Uh, Racing, so we'll um, the guys there will have a look at that and sort that out for me. So, uh, great stuff. And to sum up,
0: the XJR 15 for you, Andrew, as an owner, what is the most special thing about this car that, when you leave it in the garage and you go back home at night, that stays in your mind that you keep thinking about?
1: I think it's just it's it's loads of things. Really, it's um, the the shape of the car, and she's just so special. It's a, it's, I'm so fortunate to have this car and it, it might never have been if I just hadn't gone on the internet and uh, one thing I must say is thank, thanks to my wife um, when I said to her I think we're going to buy we need to buy this car when it's so like we got the value and she said right okay and I told her I, I said it's every penny we got and some and she just said to me well if, uh, you, know, if you know what you're doing it's the only time I've really been stuck for words, because I think, <laughs> oh God, do I know what I'm doing? And it, it turned about, you know, out to be one of the best decisions we ever made, so um, you better know. I having a very understanding wife who's totally not interested in cars, really, <laughs> which is amazing, so but she's quite happy to get rid of me weekends when I'm racing, and uh, you know, with cars really
0: well it's a great door opener isn't it to all sorts of things in life that you perhaps wouldn't have experienced before it's great that you're able to share it with all of us a lot us enthusiasts that come and enjoy these cars and for many people that come to the JC track sport events for example we've
1: never seen one of these yeah. up close and it's nice that you're able to share it with us no absolutely and it's, it's really nice we took it uh, took it to Goodwood a few years ago and we uh, with uh, meeting with a lot of the other uh, Owners, I think we had about over ten, about ten cars. I think we had up there, and it was great, great to meet the other guys who got got the cars. Great bunch of blokes, and uh, we could talk cars and get together. And we don't do it frequently enough, unfortunately. But uh, you know, it's um, yeah, it's nice to get them together so people can see them. Mm. Memories of Goodwood with this
0: harp-type logo that yes, you can see on the door. Yes, uh,
1: when we were in the members' meeting, uh, we were, um, yeah, I've left it on there because it's, it's a beautiful logo and it really suits the car. So, uh, And hopefully I'll get back up to Goodwood and um, do maybe a few track days with it because it's an iconic circuit and yeah, it's absolutely fantastic for this. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, Great. Brilliant. Andrew Maynard, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Wayne. That's all
0: for this episode of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Don't forget to keep in touch with us here on the JEC podcast via www.jecpodcast.com. And you can get in touch with us very easily by using the voice recorder on there to leave us a message, or you can use the contact, form if you prefer to write your messages. Don't forget, you can also join the Jaguar Enthusiast Club online by clicking the Join Today button on the top right-hand corner of the podcast page to enjoy all the benefits, plus the fantastic, glossy, 130-page monthly magazine that's all included in your membership of the worldwide Jaguar family that is the J.
1: This is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Podcast.
0: Subscribe for new episodes at jbcpodcast.com